with a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at the marquee games for week nine, including the primetime Sunday and Monday nighters. Also, Andy's going to offer you up a choice sandwich game this week, and I'm going to toss in a Moneyline Matty pick as well. But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central, my main guy, Andy the Prognosticator Attridge. How you doing, bud? I'm doing excellent. Thank you, Matty. Um, had a great weekend at the Wicket College. NFL spreads, totals, teasers, props. It uh, Everything seemed to come into play. I could still pick winners, and I could still make money for all kinds of people back home. You know, for a Halloween week, it was pretty spooky scary in football. Uh, just to give you a few examples, Trevor Simeon, Mike Smith, and Cooper Rush were all winning quarterbacks. Say what? Jameis Winston, now out for the season with a torn ACL and MCL. The, uh, now he's up for a different type of laser surgery. Well, exactly. And then um, our boy, Derrick Henry, out for the rest of the, at least the regular season with a foot injury. I was so upset about that, man. The league is so much better oh. when Derrick Henry is running the football. I hope Derrick Henry gets much better soon. Yes, because um, who did they call in? All pro running back and world-renowned child beater. Adrian Peterson, who's now a Tennessee Titan. Uh, he gets to run with a switch. It's grandfathered in. Nice. Ooh, I love it. I love it. Um, A.J. Green, as we saw in primetime, retired from the Arizona Cardinals in the middle of a goal line passing route on fourth down against the Packers. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you. I'm out. That was, uh, that was interesting. That cost them the game and... You know, and just so unprofessional. Well, it also cost them their undefeated season so far. So, that you know, there's corks popping in Miami. A Vaughn Miller is going to be coming down their throats from a different location. Training with your uh, trainer on your own and on Instagram is not, you know, the same as Vaughn Miller coming down your throat. That's true. That's true. He's now an L.A. Ram. So I was really happy to hear that he's coming into my division with the 49ers. So we get to see him twice a year. Neat. Um, in case you haven't heard, Matthew, Aaron Rodgers has COVID and will not be playing this week. One thing that did really warm my heart, and that was to watch John Harbaugh shit his last pair of khakis and his Michigan Wolverines losing to cross-state rivals, the Michigan State Spartans, for what, I don't know, it seems to me like that's about the 16th time that he's lost to them. Yeah, he's owned by Michigan State. He's owned by Ohio State. Lesser coaches have been fired for way less. Yeah, sure. I don't know what... Uh, what sort of dirt he's got on the uh, the athletic director there? But mm. um, oh, and lastly, um, Matthew Michael Buller's forty fourth birthday is this week. So shout out to you, Matthew. Thank you very much. Yay! I'm getting old. You're in my world now. Um, you know, and I may be getting in. You know, my mid forties. You know, they always say you should do well financially in your forties. Uh, one guy who's making out like a bandit is Roger Goodell, buddy. $128 million over the last two fiscal years that dude's made. Yeah, I, I heard that. Um, and you know what? I looked, I took a deeper dive and I looked into where he's spending his money. 
So here's the top five things that Roger Goodell did with his $128 million. Number five. He now splurges on a double scoop of vanilla ice cream at Baskin Robbins. Anyone? Anyone? Number four. He's paying off the interest on his debt with Satan. Who was it? Who could it possibly be? Was it? Oh, I don't know. Satan! Number three. He hired goons to Nancy Kerrigan, the CTU scientists at Boston University. Why? 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 <laughs> Number two. Became a major investor in the Broadway adaptation of Jury Duty. Say hi to Jajito. And now, the number one. Just purchased the box set for Kenny G's greatest hits. What do you mean is Kenny G still alive? Of course he is. The G is an immortal being untethered from space and time, floating endlessly on an eternal wave of pure smoothness. Should we fire it up? Let's fire it up, birthday boy. Are you Our first game on the docket, we head to the Big Easy, where the New Orleans Saints, the Jameis Winston-less New Orleans Saints, are home against the Atlanta Falcons. Six points is uh, what New Orleans is favored by, and well, they usually do play pretty well at the Superdome, but that's a pretty decent-sized spread, too, for only a 42-and-a-half over-under. What say you, Andy? How much does Jameis Winston's absence affect this game? Well, let's look at the last game. You know, they beat... The Super Bowl reigning champs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, also in their division. And they did so with Trevor, Trevor Simeon, who played quite well. Uh, he was 16 for 29, 159 yards, one TD, and no INTs. But I can't imagine that Sean Payton is terribly pleased with the idea of him being the number one starter. Um, it looks like Taysom Hill is coming off concussion protocols, and if so, would likely be the starter. And keep in mind, that guy was 3-1 and one in the absence of Drew Brees last year. Um, and if that doesn't work, our guy from Notre Dame, Ian Book, is uh, fourth on their depth chart. So it's just it's going to be interesting to see who they start. But my God, this Atlanta defense is so bad. Terrible. They, they allowed more than 200 rushing yards to the Panthers, who did not even have Christian McCaffrey. And, and Matt Ryan... Looked more like Meg Ryan. Hey, Goose, you big stud! That's me, honey. Take me to bed or lose me forever. Thrown for a buck 16 and two picks. And collectively, the team had, wait for this, Matthew, 213 yards total. No, that, that's horrible, awful. That's horrible and awful mixed together. I mean, the Saints are the only team without a 300 or more yard receiver this season. Uh, they don't have a single receiver at that mark right now. Even the Bears have one. That's that's absolutely absurd to me. Uh, yeah. As when I think about the Saints, I think about Drew Brees just slinging the ball everywhere. So with Jameis Winston, they weren't getting the um, the interceptions that he was throwing in Tampa Bay, but they also weren't getting the offensive production no. that they got from Jameis in Tampa Bay. I think it's because he's more reined in. So I don't think it's as big of a shock having Trevor, Trevor Simeon in there. And I think that New Orleans has uh, two other major things going for it, and that is, number one, an, an excellent defense, and number two, uh, Alvin Kamara. Oh, I see ha him having a pretty big role. 
in this game. And speaking on the defensive side of the ball, Falcons have been sacked 21 times by the Saints in their last four matchups. That's that's pretty obscene. So Sean Payton's bringing the house. Yeah, and Matt Ryan uh, is nine and sixteen in his career. I know you're not a big trends guy, but doesn't play well against the Saints, and it, that's the only NFC South opponent he has a losing record against. Yeah, no trends matter within the division because they see each other that often. Um, you know, Calvin Ridley is going to be out indefinitely with some mental health issues which is actually going to put a lot more pressure on the overachieving and rookie tight end Kyle Pitts. So, yeah, he's going to see more action, but he's also going to see more defensive coverage. And as you say, I, I, Alvin Kamara, every game, it doesn't matter if it's through the air or on the ground, the guy seems to eclipse 100, 130 yards, um, sort of as a jackknife. I just can't, I can't see the Falcons keeping pace against a much superior team who, as you mentioned, is at home. So even with a big point spread within the division, I'm going to go Saints. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm not, I don't really think I'm going to get down on the spread on this game. I actually like that over under number 42 and a half. And I like it to go over. I like the Saints to be able to score some touchdowns because Atlanta's defense is terrible. And Atlanta always scores a few. They always make it interesting. They just can never pull the game out. Uh, usually due to giveaways. So I like the over on that 42 and a half. But yeah, I'll, I'll go with the uh, the Saints at home. Who that damn dare Saints? There are no points for second place. Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me. I'm living on the air in Cincinnati. Cincinnati, WKRP. And of course, this is the Battle of Ohio this week as the Cincinnati Bengals play host to the Cleveland Browns. Cincinnati, two and a half points at home. 46 and a half is your over-under. And uh, this is the first matchup between Cleveland and Cincinnati with both teams entering 500 or better since week 15 of 2014. So it's been a while. Um, but unfortunately for the Browns right now, their offense is sputtering. Uh, failed to score more than 14 points in a game over their last three. Now, that probably has a lot to do with injury. What say you, Andy? Well, yeah, the injuries are, are definitely a big thing. But it seems like the drama at the wide receiver position is still alive and well. Thank you to Odell Beckham Jr., who has taken his ball and gone home after a video surfaced vis-a-vis uh, -vis Odell Beckham Sr., uh, showing many missed receiving opportunities from Baker Mayfield. Oh, you can keep it. Oh! Yes, he loves Tell to be you. shitted on. Personally, I'm not sure if this is something you want to deal with publicly, although he did. He was apparently excused from Wednesday's practice. It's, it's just such nonsense with this guy. It was nonsense in New York, and at least the Giants are now the ones laughing and scratching because they got rid of his cancerous ass a couple seasons ago. Um, I'm not sure if, if that's going to be a disruption to the locker room or an incentive just to give him the middle finger and say, hey, man, we can do this without you. And by the way, the guy's production this year, I think he's caught seven balls. That's it in seven games. His route running is not as crisp as it has been in seasons past. He seems to be running lazier routes. And when you run lazier routes, you're easier to cover. Yeah, but I think the real benefit was, you know, him attracting double coverage and leaving guys like Jarvis Landry open. So it was sort of a team effort, but, you know, 
throw me the damn ball, as uh, as Johnson would say, right? Yep. Uh, going back to their injury report, so you got safety John Johnson, tackle Jack Conklin, cornerback Denzel Ward, safety Richard LeCount, defensive end Tack McKinley, cornerback A.J. Green, and wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones, all listed as questionable for Sunday. Ugh. Now we got to go to the other side of the ball. And we have to go to the Big Apple where Cincinnati led up with an 11-point lead to the uh, yet-to-win New York Jets and allowing 405 passing yards to a guy named Mike Smith as the Jets get their first win of the season. So is that an anomaly? I don't know because they've been playing pretty well defensively up to that. I don't know. What did you think of that game? Oh, I thought it was absolutely terrible. Well, they gave up over 500 yards total, which, you know, you can see you can see the Jets squeaking out a win if you, know, you do an onside kick or a fake punt or, you know, a couple untimely uh, turnovers by the opposing team. But they just won the game. Well, yeah, this is the problem, though, is Cincinnati's offense is fantastic. But as fantastic as their offense is, their defense is, well, brutal. And outright, like, atrocious at some times, like they were last week. Everybody else in the league had no problem containing the Jets. And that's when they had a starting quarterback in. I still think Cincinnati is a team to be reckoned with. Uh, they are, uh, with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase is just, uh, he's only 21 years old. He became the youngest player in the Super Bowl era with 750 or more reception yards and seven or more receiving touchdowns in the first eight games of a season. Yeah, I mean, he's third in the league in receiving yards, and he also leads the league in yards per catch at almost 21. So, you know, he's kind of becoming Joe Burrow's newest shiny toy. Um, like, Joe no. Burrow is 0-2 in his career versus Cleveland, but uh, he's got 300 or more pass yards and three or more pass touchdowns in each one of those games. However, Cincinnati has scored more than 30 points in both those losses. So once again, it comes down to defense. Mm -hmm. And can Cincinnati and their defense stand up to the Browns? And, the, and, and we know the Browns, especially on their on the ground, they can run yeah. teams over. Yeah, it's, it's weird. This is the only division in the entire NFL where all four teams still have a legitimate chance to make the playoffs. But looking at this matchup here, you know, the Browns have a much better defense. They have a much better offensive line. And in the absence of Nick Chubb, Dernis Johnson has really proven that he can run the ball. I'm, I'm going to take the, the Cleveland Browns and the points plus two and a half. Mm, it's going to be a premium. Points are going to be at a premium. And, and I like the dogs here. Well, one other guy I forgot to mention, and I should not, is Miles Garrett, who's on pace for 22 and a half sacks this season. That would tie uh, Strahan's single season record which was set in 2001 so miles garrett is closing the gap on strahan do you think that uh, brett Favre would consider coming out of retirement so he could be that last sack and simply lie down the second that he saw him i just ripped the big one didn't I? that's a thing of beauty it must have been something i ate oh i'm sure he'd do it again i'm sure he'd do it again brett Favre is an attention whore he would love it <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I'm with you, man. And not only that, I, I'm taking the Browns as my money line Maddie pick this week. Oh, oh, that's.
after evaluating millions of pieces of data in the blink of an eye, the Gambletron 2000 says the winner is... Cincinnati by 200 points! Why, you worthless hunk of junk! Now we're heading to Kansas City, where the Chiefs play host to the Green Bay Packers. Seven and a half is what Kansas City is favored by, and 48's your over-under. And, uh, well, as we mentioned off the top of the show, uh, Aaron Rodgers out with COVID. And, uh, well, that takes the shine off of what could have been uh, a pretty interesting matchup. Yeah, I mean, I think the entire league had this game circled from week one. Uh, what a great matchup that would have been. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what who Mr. Rogers was cuddling up with uh, in the Grand Canyon state of Arizona, but he got the vid. The line went from minus 2.5 for KC down to a pick and then after the Rogers news came out, it went to minus 7.5. So enter Jordan, crazy little thing called Love, who's now going to line up under center for the Packers. It's a rare opportunity for a Packers backup to see meaningful playing time, but I'm sure he's going to he's going to want to show management that he was worthy of being a first round selection. But here's the state of the KC defense. If you want to talk about sloppy seconds, right at the trade deadline, they acquired All-Pro linebacker Melvin Ingram from the Steelers. Now, Melvin Ingram, who we really think of with Joey Bosa as a Charger, but he had a really diminished role uh, from playing with the Chargers, and he'd asked for a trade. In fact, Mike Tomlin told reporters, from a team perspective, it's better to have volunteers than it is to have hostages. So, sloppy seconds that they get from Pittsburgh for a really shitty defense that's still a shitty defense, and... Keep in mind that Patrick Mahomes now leads the entire league with 10 interceptions. It seems like Patrick Mahomes this year is trying to force the ball. A lot of the plays yeah. he made before, he was making these fluid plays based on what was out there, and he wasn't forcing the ball. Right now, he seems to want to make a play so bad that mm-hmm. he's just trying to force it in there and it's really costing them. Like he's got what eight picks in the last like five games or something like that. Six games. And, and a lot of those are fourth quarter ones too. Like they're averaging 2.4 giveaways a game this season. That's the most in the NFL. No team has made the playoffs averaging more than two giveaways since the 2009 Cardinals. And now without Edwards Hilaire as a running back, Daryl, Daryl Williams, now leads the team in rushing with 230 yards on the season, which is exactly one more yard than Patrick Mahomes. So that's not a good recipe for success. Well, and Andy Reid's never been one to be in the, like usually even in the upper half of teams that run the ball all the way back to the no. Eagles. He's never been a big guy on the run. Um, I, the Packers, what's interesting to me is they've won seven straight games with a positive turnover margin. Mm-hmm. That is nuts. Normally, the turnovers, you can look at turnovers in a game and without even seeing the score, make a decent guess as to who won the game, right? The team that turned the ball over less, except in the Packers. And that's because they've been able to 
capitalize on the, their offensive chances when they have, but their defense has been, you know, when they do turn the ball over, their defense really holds the line. They're getting the ball back for them. And they're traveling to KC, which kind of gives KC a little bit of the uh, the edge, I think. Well, Arrowhead, I think, is one of the very few places still left in the NFL where home field advantage actually gives you a couple extra points. But I don't like but the hook on this game. I don't like the hook, and it really... Okay, to say Aaron Rodgers, well, it's hard to quantify what exactly he's worth to a team. We just don't know enough about Jordan Love to say whether it's a a seven-point swing or a a seven-and-a-half-point swing. But to me, you know, they can still run the ball pretty well. I know Bakhtiari's still not back in their offensive line, but they've been playing pretty well without him. They've had to do a lot of juggling on that offensive line in the past season. I, yeah, as you say, I don't like the hook. I think KC has covered three of their past eighteen games. Yeah, they they're not they're not spread coverers at all. Uh, I think they're one in seven this year against the spread. Right. So yeah. So, oh, pardon me. They're two and six versus the spread right now. Green Bay's seven and one. And with the hook, I, I'm taking the Packers here. They'll keep it. They'll at least keep it close. And by the way, well, KC fan, it's not getting any better. You do not have an opponent remaining this season on the schedule that currently has a losing record. You're the only team in the NFL as well that is like that. Ouch. Yeah, I think this was a, a market overreaction to the uh, Aaron Rodgers news. So yeah. Let's go Packers. Oh, the Chiefs. Owns. 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 Well, let's head to Carolina, where the Carolina Panthers are at home against the visiting New England Patriots. Carolina sits at three and a half point underdogs, and uh, 41 is your over under. And uh, well, New England, they did it up big when they decided to go to the West Coast, and I believe you called that last week. I did indeed call that. So what did you see in New England, and do you think they can bring that same, uh, same heat to Carolina? Um, I thought the spread was a bit high. I didn't really expect them to win outright, but it, I think it was five and a half um, at kickoff time. It just seems like a, a big spread. And in fact, if you looked at the histories between those two teams, um, they just don't match up well. And I thought, you know, uh, it was a rookie coach going against Belichick. Um, not the case here with Matt Rule. Um, so, yes, big 27-24 win against the Chargers. And next week, who do they have on deck? The Cleveland Browns, the aforementioned Cleveland Browns, who's likely going to be in a wild card hunt at the end of the season making this. It's an almost wise guys sandwich game. What are you? An idiot sandwich. I would rarely include a Bill Belichick coach team in a sandwich, but this is a non-conference road game with a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones against a stingy Panthers defense that's allowing over 189 passing yards per game this season. And in fact, don't quote me on this, I think there was only two games that they've allowed over 200. And more importantly, it looks like their one-man wrecking crew, a.k.a. Run CMC, a.k.a. Christian McCaffrey, 
looks to be back in the lineup for the first time since week three. Yeah, run CMC is what does it for me here. I like Carolina in this position. Three and a half point underdogs at home with a low over under. I'm, t- I'm taking the Carolina Panthers here. I agree with your sandwich observation. If I sell two sandwiches for $10 each, that equals... Money. You know, Sam Darnold's been erratic at best, but if he doesn't absolutely shit the bed, they do have a chance to win out right here. So I'm going to suggest the Panthers go down to the local loaf on East 35th Street for a BLT. Why? Because it's greasy and unhealthy and includes signature white pimento cheese, house-smoked maple bacon, locally fried green tomatoes, popcorn shoots on sourdough bread, and you can get all that for nine bucks. Yummy! Yeah, with such a low total of 41 points, which are going to be at a premium, I like the home dog, with the field goal and the hook, Carolina Panthers. I've handled dozens of balls over the past week. Sunday night, we head to Los Angeles, where the surging Rams are at home against the Tennessee Titans. The Rams are favored by 7.5, 53.5s, you're over, under. And obviously, as we talked at the show start, Derrick Henry out, Adrian Peterson back in. And, uh, well, the L.A. Rams have not had a problem covering spreads this season, have they? Even when they've been big. They've destroyed spreads, in fact. Hulk! Smash! Yeah, I, 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 and you know, now all of a sudden they get Von Miller. He's going to be coming down Tennessee's throat. Von Miller coming down your throat. Look like they were coming. They pull out. How many defensive superstars do you need? <laughs> well, you know, you got Darnold, you got Ramsey. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Where do you start? Where does it end? Uh, my biggest question about this game uh, with Henry out and Peterson in, do they give him extra space in his locker for his beating stick? That switch doesn't cause take. It's just a twig. Yeah, I you actually so. don't want it to be very big. You need it to be somewhat thin because then it has whip. Oh right, that yeah. makes more sense. You Obviously, like- you haven't beaten your children. Are you the recipient or the no, other? no, no? I just understand physics. Oh, I see. We talked about Aaron Rodgers and how to quantify a spread with his absence. How do you do that with Derrick Henry and what that guy means to this team? And I notice I didn't say offense because it's his work that keeps drives going. It's his work that keeps the clock moving, the defense off the field, special teams with excellent starting field position. You know, they've come back from 14-point deficits twice this season, and it was mostly on the legs of King Henry. Yeah, I'm actually very concerned about Henry's absence and the effect it's going to play on Tennessee's defense. Everybody's talking about, oh, Tannehill will have to pick up the slack and AP coming in and, you know, he can still move the ball. And yes, they got a great offensive line. But if they're doing three and outs, and this is Adrian Peterson's like first game back, right? Yeah. Let's right. Exactly. Ring rust is real. So Derrick Henry accounted for 84.2% of the Titans carries this season. That's the highest percent in a season since Hall of Famer Edgar and James in 2000. So it's been 21 years in the NFL since a running back carried that kind of load. And there's a reason for that. 
I think that the Rams at home are going to cover this spread. I really do. Even with it's seven in the hook, I think Tennessee's going to be a little demoralized. And I think that the Rams can score right now from so many directions. Uh, Sean McVay's got those guys tuned up. And now we can really see what Matthew Stafford's all about. Um, you know, to, to Tennessee's defense, whom we typically think of being quite strong, but they've been pretty inconsistent this year. And the Rams' offense, meanwhile, has averaged over 406 total yards per game and also over 30 points per game. You know, a spread above a touchdown is a bit of a tough pill to swallow against a team that we were on for the last three weeks and had beaten the Colts, the Chiefs, and the Bills. But without Derrick Henry, he dictates the pace of this team. And the Rams, who average scoring margin, is third in the league at 9.6 points per game. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Rams as well. Would you cut your dick off for a Super Bowl? Oh, been married 20 years. Yeah, probably. You've got three. <clears throat> as a player. Well, it's Saturday night and I just got paid. Feel about my money, don't try to save. My heart said go, go. Have a time for Saturday night and I feel fine. Gonna rock it up. All right, Monday night, we head to Steel City, where the Pittsburgh Steelers are six-point favorites against the visiting Chicago Bears. My Chicago Bears. The Bears. Nice. 40 is your over under and uh i i'm interested in your thoughts on this game because i've my rage is of being a bears fan and what i'm seeing this season is just i i can't cope right now what do you think i'm a rageaholic <laughs> i just can't live without rageahol well let's just say let's just call it forget it's 2021 the chicago bears Versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, nothing screams old-time football than a matchup between these two teams. Pussies need not apply for this one. You're a pussy. Did a little history, Matt. First matchup between these two teams happened on Wednesday, October the 10th, 1934. The Bears won 28 to nothing when the Pittsburgh Steelers were then called the Pittsburgh Pirates. Guess who was in the backfield for the Bears? Red Grange? Winner, Gagnon. Red Grange was on that team. And so last week, by the way, uh, I didn't mention it earlier, but my 49ers beat your Bears last week, yada, yada, yada. It sounds like you just did mention it. Well, I, you know, I just, I just had to let it out. It's like one of those farts that you just can't hold in long enough. I see. Justin Fields had a buck 75 passing, but he also had a buck three rushing, which of course led the team in that category. And I don't think that's a sustainable game plan. You got a rookie quarterback behind a really shitty offensive line. One thing I did like about your bears though, is Khalil Herbert, the rookie out of Virginia tech. He looked really good on the ground, which is good because Damian Williams is still listed as questionable. Uh, He left last week's game with a knee injury and safety Eddie Jackson is questionable. Um, one thing that really concerns me about Pittsburgh, and if you've been watching these guys for the last decade, there's always one game in the middle of the season that they just sort of play down to their competition and absolutely crap the bed. 
And, you know, that front seven can shut down the running game and force them through the air, which probably doesn't play in well to, to Justin Fields. But it's kind of a big spread for a 40-point total. And the line started at six and a half, and it's now down to six. And you don't usually see movements on a, uh, a Monday night game with the public. So I'm going to guess that sharp money coming in on the Bears. And again, with a low point total like that, I'm going to pick this week as the one that Tomlin craps the bed. And I'm going to take the Bears here uh, to cover the six points. Yeah, you covered it all, man. That's uh, <laughs> Well, it's your account, dude. You got Come on, tell us what you think about the Bears. Oh, somebody kill me, please! Well, what I think about the Bears is that they're undisciplined and they lack coaching and they lack front office. And until, like, leadership happens from the top down. There's a reason why the Patriots have been who they are for the last, you know, you know, two decades or more. And it's because they, they've got the leadership in place that have a system of how you behave on the field, how you behave off the field. New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft was charged with soliciting sex. Uh, and expectations for level of play. The Bears don't have any of that because they don't even have ex expectations for their coaches. They fire Lovey Smith for 10 and 6, but they keep Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace around to into perpetuity to get, keep us going 500 or less. It's uh, I feel bad for Justin Fields. I think he's a fantastic athlete, and I think he's going to have a lot to offer the NFL and the Chicago Bears once Nagy is gone. But And also, once they beef up the O-line a little bit and give this kid a little bit more time. I like the, the Steelers here. I, I really do. I think the bear. I think the Bears are, are are hurting, and the Steelers. Here's the problem I have with the Steelers is I can't figure out who they are this year. Every now and then they come out and lay an egg, and every now and then they come out and just slap a team around. I have a feeling this is Monday night. Mike Tomlin, much better coach than Matt Nagy. Ben Roethlisberger, been under the lights before. I. I'm going to give the nod here as long as it stays under a touchdown. I know the Sharps are against me, but I'm a pessimistic Bears fan. One thing I'd like to point out, because we talk about running backs and quarterbacks and assistant coaches and head coaches and even general managers, but one thing we rarely talk about is team ownership. And the McCluskey family and the Rooney family belong on the Mount Rushmore of NFL ownership. They've been a class act of the league for generations, hopefully generations to come. And other teams, Jerry Jones, <clears throat> should take a look at how they, they manage their teams and uh, do so so well. I want me some glory hole. All right, and finally we go to the teaser where Andy and I both give you something we like for the weekend. Andy, what do you like? Well, it would seem lazy on my part, but uh, there's a lot of commonalities between these two selections. They both play in the NFC West. They both are playing at home this week. Uh, their teaser both goes through key numbers of three and seven. They're both coming off a win. And I'm talking about the LA Rams and taking that down from minus seven and a half to minus one and a half. And the exact opposite for my 49ers going from plus one and a half to plus seven and a half. So for the first leg of my teaser, I too will take the Rams from uh, minus seven and a half to just half a point. And uh, leg two, I like an over under here. I think Falcons at the Saints, I'm going to take the over from 42 and a half down to 36 and a half. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. <laughs>
Well, thank you for listening to week nine of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud, and then you won't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our website, almostwiseguys.com, for additional content and picks from all week nine games across the NFL. From the Cosa Nostra studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bad time on the same bad channel. Sayonara. Got a smoky mother.